0: In a live Q&A event in 2013, Peter Hitchens, uh, the brother of famous atheist Christopher Hitchens, was asked this question, what is the most dangerous idea? And he responded with this answer, the most dangerous idea in human history and philosophy remains is the belief that Jesus Christ is the son of God and rose from the dead. And that is the most dangerous idea you will ever encounter. Tony Jones, the uh, MC at this point, said, oh, you can't just leave it there. You've got to explain that. And I'm going to paraphrase Peter Hitchens, but he basically said this. The reason that the resurrection is the most dangerous idea and remains the most dangerous idea is that it changes everything. That if Jesus rose from the grave, that... All of life is affected by that event. That it changes, that changes life now, it means that life matters now, and it means that there is justice beyond the grave. That there is justice in the world. And that will change everything. Well, you can imagine that the crowd was kind of stunned by this idea. Because Peter Hitchens was saying that there is life beyond the grave and that if there is life beyond the grave, life matters now, that the world changes even now. In our society, it is commonly believed, even today, that there is life beyond the grave. In a New Scientist article where it was asked if North Americans, 70% of people said they believed in life after death. And it was taken from this study that that idea, that figure also transferred to the rest of the world, that rest of the developed world also believed in some sort of life beyond the grave. But what was more interesting about this study that was published in The New Scientist, and this study was published in 2019, of the 30% who said they didn't believe in life after death, when they were pushed and when they were asked certain questions, 80% of those believed in some sort of existence beyond the grave, that there is some sort of life after death. That is, if my maths is correct, over 90% of people believe that there is an existence of life after death, that there is life beyond the grave. So the question obviously becomes if there is life beyond the grave what is this life how can we know Jesus resurrection of the dead from the dead tells us the answer Jesus resurrection from the dead is a statement of God that there is life beyond the grave and what we can expect from that life beyond the grave. He tells us there is three important aspects that we need to learn that if Jesus rose again, that this is the way we need to live even now and into the future. That is the resurrection of the dead is God's statement and God's answer to the question, is there life after death? And the answer is yes. And here's how you need to respond. And the first way and the first aspect that we need to realise that Jesus' death teaches us is that there is a judgement. That there is a judgement. That Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection shows that God is going to judge the world. We read... uh, In Acts 17, where Paul is speaking at the Areopagus, that is, he's speaking to the Greeks, and he's telling them of the resurrection of the dead, and he says this, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. He has provided proof of this, to everyone by raising him from the dead. The resurrection is God's statement to the world that he is going to judge the world in righteousness, that he is going to judge, that he has looked across all of humanity and he has appointed Jesus as the righteous judge of all the world. And that will affect the way Our society thinks about justice. It affects the way we organise our society, the way we regulate. Because if there is justice, that gives us a reason for our justice. It gives us a reason for the way we regulate our society. Our whole court system, our whole concept of the courts is built on the idea that God is going to judge the world. The idea that a man is innocent until proven guilty, flows from this idea. And it does because if God is going to judge the world, if God is going to judge every single person, no one gets away. No one gets off from the crimes they've committed. There is no person that will not stand before God and receive judgment. And so it gives us confidence that even if we don't get things right, even if we let 10 guilty people go free, that we can do that so as the innocent will not be condemned. And we can do that in confidence because we know the guilty will never go free. That every person will have their justice met before God. That Hitler, all the great dictators of history, Mao Zedong, Pol Pot, Trump, whoever you say, that every single person is going to face the judgment of God. And that means we can have confidence that God is just. That idea is slowly and quickly slipping out of our society because people have lost the idea that God is going to judge the world. We demand justice now. We, if there is no judgement beyond the grave, well then you must have justice now. Otherwise people will get away scot free. And that will change what you do, that will change the way you act, the way you regulate your society. If people have been harmed now, they must have justice. If some sort of past crime has taken place, well we must act. So that person, even for past crimes, receives their justice now. And then we act in just. You can see how if you do not believe in a justice beyond the grave, if you do not believe that God is going to act justly, you will act now and you will create, create all kinds of problems. The idea that God is going to judge the world sits behind so much of what our society believes. And so we need to understand that Jesus' resurrection underpins so much of what we do. Even if we don't say we believe in it, it is still affecting us in the Western society because so much of the way we regulate ourselves is based on this idea, which leads to the the question, Well, what are we talking about when we're talking about resurrection? Are we talking about a physical resurrection? Are we talking about some sort of spiritual resurrection that happens in our hearts? Again, Paul's speech, or more importantly, the reaction to Paul's speech from the Greeks shows us that what the Bible teaches the resurrection is about. And we hear this. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead that being the Greeks at the Areopagus, some begun, began to ridicule him. And we go, oh, they, they obviously didn't believe in the resurrection. No, that's not why they're ridiculing him. So the reason the Greeks were ridiculing Paul is the idea they had was very similar to the way many other people think about uh, life after death, is that we need to escape, that we need to transcend our physical form, that there wouldn't be a resurrection from the dead because, let's be honest, who would want to come back here? That was the idea and that's why they're ridiculing because the Greeks always all wanted to escape this life. They didn't want to believe in a physical resurrection because they're going, this is terrible. This is a horrible world. Why would you want to be here? You want to get out. You want to escape. We don't want to be resurrected back into it. That is why they're ridiculing Paul's idea of the resurrection. See, when when we're talking about the resurrection, we are talking about a miracle. And again, our society and so many in our society say, we don't believe in miracles. And it's because of the way our society defines a miracle. And it comes back to the way our culture basically views God and that is we have what's called a deistic view or general, a deistic view of God. This is just a general conception that there is a God, that there is some sort of principle or some sort of existence that is out there, that's out there beyond the universe, but that it, that it is simply out there, that the universe operates independent and separate from this God, this principle, this, this thing. And that what a miracle is is that God sort of sticking his finger into creation and sort of messing up. That what a miracle is 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 the breaking of the natural laws, is the breaking of the natural rules to prove that oh, I'm, I am here. I, I'm, I'm just I'm I'm just popping my finger in. I'm just popping it in to let you know that hey, I'm, I'm about. That is, God is separate. God is there, but he's just separate, and the universe just runs without him. And this could not be further from the understanding of the Bible. So the Bible understands that God is intimately connected with the universe at all times, that the universe runs because God is upholding it. This is what we read in Colossians. And this is talking about Jesus. He is the image, he being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and by him all things hold together. And it's that last line that shows God's personal and intimate relationship with the creation. The reason you get out of bed every morning, the reason you trust that gravity is going to work, the reason you feel safe or relatively safe driving your car is because God is faithful. God has promised to consistently and always uphold the universe the natural laws that we rely on each and every day are the expression of God's faithfulness. It's not God acting independently or separately to the universe. The very natural laws we rely on is God's consistent acting in the universe. And they themselves are a miracle. They themselves express the faithfulness of God. And that's what the word miracle means. The word miracle just means sign, it just means pointer and the faithfulness and the consistency that everyone relies upon in this universe comes about because God is faithfully and consistently upholding the universe. So when we're thinking about miracles, it isn't God just popping in, it is God making a statement. And so the question we need to ask as we look at the resurrection is, what is the statement that God is making? What is God saying here? And I want you to think about this for a second, in terms of a miracle. Imagine for a moment, a man came down out of heaven, just, oh, sky or sky or whatever, just floated down, went into a store in Sydney, grabbed a pair of shoes, put them on, you know, no flotation devices, walked out down Sydney, down to Circular Quay, walked across the water to Luna Park. And everyone's looking on, watching this man walk across the water. And then he floats up to heaven, never says anything. What would that mean for you? What would you do? You'd look on and go, wow, that's different. And you would. But how would it change your life? And the fact is, it wouldn't. Or you'd go is... That's different. Well, let's put this in view of Jesus. Imagine if Jesus, fully human, made a human, came down out of heaven and then jumped up onto a cross, was crucified. People went, wow, what's he doing? Took him down from the cross, put him in a grave and then three days later or after three days he gets up, he waves to a few people. And everyone looks, wow, he was dead, and he just floats up to heaven. What would that say? What would that mean? And the fact is, it would mean nothing. We'd go, that's different. wasn't expecting that. So the reason the resurrection means something is because God is saying something through the resurrection. The resurrection of itself is just an event. What gives the resurrection as meaning is that it is part of a bigger narrative. It's part of a broader story of a sweep through history. And what it's part of God's salvation story of saving his people that starts way back at the start of Genesis with the fall of Adam and Eve and God's promise to them that he would rescue them. From their sin, as he sweeps through through uh, Israel and their deliverance from Egypt, and therefore with David, you see this broad sweep that God is saying, "I will send a savior. I will send a savior." And that's what the resurrection is talking about: that this man is the savior; that this one has come to deliver people from the problem of death and when we see that we see that it changes life now that is the second point that the resurrection changes our life now when i was young i had a shirt with a koala it was one of my favorite shirts and on it it said eat drink and be merry and that's all it said it was a shirt with a koala sitting back lazing on a hammock and remember and he's just eat, drink and be merry. And I never really understood the shirt until I got older because it was missing a bit that I learnt later. And it was, this is the bit. Eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow you shall die. The reality of our culture is that it's cons- uh, continual Uh, looking and seeking for pleasure is its expression that it is worried about death, that it is scared about death. Because if death has the final word, well then I'm going to live and get the most I can out out of life. I need to Experience everything now. I need to eat as much, enjoy as much, and do as much. Experience as much as I can. Because tomorrow I'm going to die. And strangely enough, that paralyses us. Especially in a culture as ours full of options. Because every option becomes an opportunity cost. Uh, opportunity cost. Becomes an economic decision about what I might be missing out on. If I do this, what am I missing out on over here? Or what am I missing out on over there? And we become paralysed by our decisions. We become paralysed by choices. All the options just shows all the things we could be missing out on. It fascinates me in a culture of Australia that is one of the richest, safest, most prosperous cultures that has that has ever existed in the history of the world, that anxiety and depression rates are skyrocketing. And it is because every decision becomes life-defining. Every decision becomes an opportunity that I might have missed out. How do I know that I shouldn't have done this? How do I know that I shouldn't have married this person or gone here or done that? Every decision becomes about missed opportunities. And at the end of the day, all we end up worrying about is what we're missing out on. This is how the psalmist says in verse 39, in Psalm 39 Lord, make me aware of my end and the number of my days so that I'll know how short lived I am. In fact, you have made my days just inches long and my lifespan is as nothing to you. Yes, every human being stands as only a vapour. Yes, a person goes about like a mere shadow. Indeed, they rush around in vain, gathering possessions without knowing who will get them. In the face of death, humans scurry around like ants, just worried that the next moment the boot of death will just come down and crush us. But Jesus tells us, the resurrection shows us that our life is more than the economic choices we make, that we've been set aside for another purpose. This is what Peter says, Therefore, in light of the resurrection, with your minds ready for action. Be sober-minded, not drunk, and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are able uh, you Are you to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. If you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. For you know that you are redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. Jesus' resurrection tells us that You matter. You cannot separate the resurrection from the idea that Jesus died. The ideas go together and that he died for the forgiveness of his sins. See, we had all rebelled. We had all turned against God. This is what we heard last week. And Jesus dying on the cross, God had poured his wrath upon the Son, the judgment we all deserved with his own precious blood. And in rising from the grave, we hear the echo and truth of Jesus' words. It is finished. It is done. Death no longer holds sway. Death no longer controls us. We don't have to live scurrying around, worrying about what we're missing out on. God's sovereign son, his very precious blood has died has paid the price so that we can live as his friends, as his people, holy, set aside for God's purpose. A nation of priests, which is the idea that comes from Mount Sinai, set aside for God's purpose. And that is the way we live now. But it is not just now. And this is the third point, that there is hope beyond the grave, that it is life eternal This is what John writes in Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his people And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Death, our great enemy, is defeated. Death is done and its massive damage is dealt with. The pain and the suffering that we all feel when we lose significant others, we'll never again enter into creation. All right, I can tell you when each of my grandparents, I can tell you where I was. I can remember my, first grand, my grandmother, the first of my grandparents to die. I was half an hour outside of Wangaratta driving the car with my family in it. And tears welling in my eyes as i 'm driving along, thinking about never seeing her again, which i'd only seen her that morning, and never knowing I'd never see her again, to tell you about my grandfather who died in the in his sleep in the middle of the night, he had a massive stroke next to his my grandmother, his wife, and what she had done through the night because she didn't want to disturb anybody, she had cleaned up his body you know when you die all your muscles relax and all the excrement just came out onto the bed and so what my grandmother had done in the middle of the night was clean the sheets and change him so when hoping and waiting for the first ray of light so she could call the ambulances knowing to get her to help then i remember that grandmother being in the UK and hearing the call from my father and not being able to get back in time for the funeral. And then my final grandfather, who we sat death watch in palliative care in Melbourne, and as we waited, as his kidneys shut down and we waited for him to die, we decided we'd go and get something to eat because it was late. So we went up the road and were in a... Indian uh in a Thai restaurant and we we're all sitting around the extended family enjoying this meal and I remember thinking at the time this is surreal we're waiting for my grandfather to die but here we are sitting and laughing enjoying and drinking and the call came through and the joy was gone and the tears came for all of us as my grandfather had died and we left within 10 minutes Death is destructive. Death destroys everything. We live in a universe where the horrible consequences of death are surrounding us. But what the resurrection shows is that death does not have the final word, that death has been dealt with, that death is Finished, it is done, its sting is gone. Where O oh, death is your victory? Where is your sting? In the resurrection of Jesus, it is over. Our lives will continue into eternity. It is the stars, it is the sun that becomes the mere shadow. The resurrection of Jesus is the most dangerous idea in history but it is also the most marvellous truth. It is a wonderful reality because Jesus has risen bodily from the grave and the resurrection tells us three important things that God is just, that there is a judgement that is to come, that justice will be finally reign across all the earth It tells us that we are not mere ants scurrying around, collecting stuff, waiting for the fear of death, waiting for the boot of death to come down and hammer us. It tells us that our lives matter, that we will live eternally with God, that the stars are mere shadows in comparison. As Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading and kept in heaven for you. That is the hope and call that Jesus makes to each one of us today as we hear and remember and realise that our Lord and Saviour rose from the grave.